Everybody say resistance. I was told last week I lost some people, the Trekkies in the room, because when I said resistance, all they heard was resistance is futile. Any Trekkies in the room? They must have all been here last week. Okay. Well, you can say that to the devil. Like his, whatever he tries to put, put on you, however he tries to distract you, it is futile. Because greater, have y'all heard this before? Greater is he who is on the inside of you than he that is in this world. Before the world began, he saved you and he called you with a holy calling. And thank God, the rest of that verse says, not according to your own works. Because you ain't that good. Not according to your own works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Before the world began, he called you. You got purpose. So let's talk about a few things. And I'm gonna, I want to recap, mention again what I said last week. There was two essentials to your awakening. Essential number one was full Joyful surrender. Everybody say surrender. Now, full is not partial. I know, I mean, I I just went so deep on you. Full, everybody say it's not partial. Say it's full. Say it's complete. How many grew up in church most of your life? Just a quick raise of hands. Good, good, good. Do you know what the danger is of growing up in church all your life? We can act as if coming to church on Sunday is full surrender. I love you. I'm glad you got your seat. I'm glad people know, like, this is your side of the room. This is your side of the room, right? Like, That's good. That ain't surrender. I got my pastor's anointing on me today. That ain't surrender. Look at somebody say, that ain't surrender. If we want to live in full, joyful surrender, we got to give him everything. We've got to trust him with all of our life. We can't just dabble in living for Jesus. Matthew 16, 25 For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, full surrender means it's not me anymore. It's him. It's not my plan. It's his plan. We've got to be able to trust him with everything. Some of you, you're awesome that come to church and praise him, but you, you act like you can trust yourself with some stuff. Hold on, let me just talk to myself for a second. Mark, you act like you can trust yourself. You can't trust, I can't trust myself. You can't trust yourself. We got to trust him with everything. Guess what? He has a good track record. Hey, Jay. You can trust them with everything. Guess what, Tracy? You don't have to fix it all. Because Jay gets to trust them, and you get to trust them, and then, thank God, the two become one, 
and you have a strong union, but, and by the way, this goes for parents with kids, especially grown kids, especially young adult kids. Hey, parents, stop trying to be their God because they're, you're robbing them of the opportunity to trust him. You got to give some people some space to learn to trust him. You got to give them some space to fail, to make mistakes so that they can learn to trust. And sometimes as a spouse, um, I mean, yeah, I'm going to stand instead for my wife, just like I did this morning. But my, my wife has had to learn faith as well for healing, to pray for herself. And so sometimes some of you may need to surrender today um, trying to fix it for everybody else. I'm going to run out the back now. You good, but you ain't God. Let them learn to trust. Trust. Then that goes to the second one, which is humility. You got to be humble. You got to be humble. You got to be humble. The Bible says that when you are humble, when you humble yourself before the Lord, then it says that he may lift you up. He doesn't want to humble you. Like you got people preaching bad theology. Oh, he's going to keep you humble. He's going to keep you broke and poor and probably make you sick a good bit just to keep you humble. No, the Bible says that he will humble you so that he can lift you up. See, humility is just to develop our character. And then you get from trust, you have to be humble, and then you get to the third point that I dropped under there with surrender, which is you have to be obedient. He's got to be Lord. You've got to be fully surrendered, but then you've got to be obedient. And this is not a passive obedience. Has anybody had to do some things that he asked you to do that was downright hard? Gut-wrenching. But there will never be a time when God does not reward our obedience. Sometimes you have to surrender, surrender the thing that you want so that you can do the thing that you were called to do. Sometimes you've got to surrender the thing that you want, that you're like, this is all I want, so that God can give you what he wants to give you. Whether that's your calling or that career or that opportunity or that relationship, you got to learn to let it go first. Everybody say, let it go. Say it for yourself. Say, let it go. Because you were saying it for someone else. Because you'd rather them let it go. But there's some things that you need to let go. Amen? Can we be honest? Then the second thing we talked about last week, the other essential for your awakening. Everybody say, my awakening is the essential of refusing to settle. And I dropped this quote on you, which I'm going to share it again, that settling is the beginning of all suffering. Settling is the beginning of all suffering. God did not create you to settle. And I kind of was in a hurry when I got to this, so I'm going to slow down a second here. I got a third point you haven't heard yet. I'm going to get to that too, but settling is the beginning of all suffering. He did not create you to settle. Do kings settle? Like, if you go to the palace and you walk in to the king sitting on the throne, is he like eating cold food? Is he settling for a lumpy mattress? 
Is he settling for people that talk bad about him, that talk down to him? Is he settling for any of that? Say it like you mean to say, no! Ugo, there's royalty in your blood. You come from a king's bloodline. God created you to be above and not to be beneath, to be the head and not the tail, to be the lender and not the borrower. Anything else is settling. So let me give you three thoughts here. Number one, don't settle in your relationship with God. Did y'all hear that song, hunger, 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 hunger and thirst? What's the Bible say? In Matthew, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And I said this, but we need to hear this. You have as much of Jesus as you want. It's time to get hungry. It's time to press. It's time to pursue. It's time to make him your everything. I was having some conversations with Parker this week, and Parker's our youth pastor. Wave, Parker. He's pretty awesome. And he challenges me on a regular basis to be a better man, to be a better husband, pastor, follower of Jesus. And we were talking about this whole idea of surrender this week. And to hear him talk about just putting Jesus on the throne of his heart. It can't be lip service. It's got to be real. Like, what's it mean to put Jesus on the throne of your heart? To pursue him with everything. And that's going to look different for many of you. Like, some of the things, the principles are plain, right? But, like, what's it mean at your place of work? What's that mean? Um, What's that mean in your family? What's that mean when you're driving down the road? Got to go on a little hike with my daughter yesterday. I didn't ask her permission, so don't tell her I talked about her. And we were talking, and I I just asked her, what's God been teaching you (laughs) or speaking to you about? And she's like, well, he's been telling me to slow down. And this would be telling on me. She's like, I kind of take after you, Dad, in my driving. I was like, whoops. And she said, so, like, I've just been driving the speed limit and stopping at every stop sign. And I was like, I stop at stop sign. She's like, little rolling stop, Dad. I was like, apparently I need to get convicted about my driving. But putting Jesus on the throne of your heart, it might affect how you drive. If you're as spiritual as my 16-year-old daughter, help me, Jesus. It might affect what time you show up to work. It might affect what time you wake up. It might affect how much of the Bible you read. Actually, it should affect that. Get hung, Stop settling in your relationship to the Father. Get hungry for him. I'm now turning off my first page of notes. Don't be lukewarm. 
Matthew 7, 7 through 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. How much knocking and seeking and finding have you been doing? Because you're not going to find squat if you're not looking for it. He's ready to open up to you, to pour out to you, but it's up to you. Oh, let me say this, because I, I didn't get to say this last week. So listen, we should be doing things like praying more, reading our Bible more, spending more time with Jesus, right? I mean, this, this is kind of like basic Christianity 101. You're like, how do I get closer to God? Read your Bible. The Word of God is living and active. Literally, it's not complicated to grow closer to Jesus. The Word of God is living and alive. When you read it, He speaks to you. When you pray, Commune and converse with God. Ask and receive from God. You're going to develop your relationship with him. I could not marry my wife 23 years ago and then say, hey, we're good. I must continually to actively invest in the relationship, yes? That's what we have to do with Jesus. Continue to make sure it's a real-time relationship. By the way, some of you are convicted in your marriage right now because you haven't been doing some of the things that you used to do in the beginning of the relationship. You want to strengthen your relationship, your marriage? Go back and do some of the stuff you did in the beginning that made it real-time, active, vital relationship. Pursuing Jesus. Oh, so here's what I want to say. (laughs) Develop habits that draw you closer to Jesus. See, it's one thing to do it on willpower, and it's one thing to do it when it fits into your schedule, But when you take those activities, reading Bible, prayer, worship, uh, silence, meditation, giving God space, when you take those things and you turn it into a habit, then it becomes automatic. Some of you don't have habits that support you having more of Jesus. You have habits that support your waistline growing, Because every time you sit down on the couch and you get hungry and it's past like 7 or 8 o'clock, you'll go to the cabinet and you conveniently have chips there. And you're like, I don't know why I can't lose weight. I'm trying to help you here. What if you conveniently had the Word of God available to you all the time and you had a Bible reading plan on your phone and it sent reminders to you and said, hey, every morning at 7 a.m. you're going to get this reminder. And oh, what if you were actually awake at that point? And so you got a reminder, and you were awake, and you turned this idea of pursuing Jesus and reading the Bible and praying into a habit. If you want more Jesus, some of you may need some new habits. That's not complicated. Just create some new habits so your pursuit of Jesus becomes automatic. If you want a good book on habits, uh, there's a book called Atomic Habits that's phenomenal. Man, that was like... Praise Jesus over there. Who was that? Somebody got excited. Jenny, change your life, right? Because you learned that you could, it doesn't have to be hard. And some of you, it's been hard to just read the Bible on a regular basis because you haven't turned it into a habit. And there's simple ways to do that. So there you go. Um, Don't settle for less than God's best for you. Too many believers living in sin, addiction, toxic relationships, dead-end jobs, that they dread, lack, and poverty, just to name a few. Don't settle for less 
than God's best for you. If you are settling in any area of your life that is below God's inheritance for you as a king's kid, stop it! He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He's got plans to give you a hope in the future. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you wake up every day and go into work and you feel like it is stealing, killing, and destroying life out of you, then you need to find the second part of the verse because Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full till it overflows abundantly. Now, by the way, you can keep the same job and find that in your job. So don't go quitting tomorrow and acting like Pastor Mark told you to. Like the breakthrough you need is not the change of circumstance. The breakthrough is decision. I have God's got plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Oh, I mean, if I'm not feeling that, somehow he's got to be doing that in my life right now. Abundant life. Life tilted overflows. I don't feel that. Oh, wait, where is it? Start looking for it. Pursue it. Don't settle for less than God's best for you. Don't live below your inheritance. This is helping anybody? I'm having fun. God created you for greatness. Did I mention that? Everybody in the room, raise your hand. Everybody, just everybody raise your hand. These are all the people with greatness. Now, don't put your hand down yet. I want you to take your hand, put a finger, put your, put your pointer finger, and pick somebody in the room and point at them and say, get, get eye contact right now. Get eye contact with somebody and point, bring it down and point at them and say, there's greatness inside of you. Greatness inside of you. Greatness inside of you. There's greatness inside of you. Do not live below your calling, your destiny, your inheritance. There's greatness inside of you. Everybody stop. say stop settling. Um, I hit this last week, so I'm going to just quick mention because I want to get to this last thought that I want to drop on you. Don't settle for being a watcher or a wisher. Three types of people. There are watchers. They're people who are watching you fulfill your dream, but they are not fulfilling theirs. The Sadducees and Pharisees were watchers in Jesus' day. They were nitpicky and negative and complaining and looking for the faults and mistakes. They were watchers. Then there's wishers who wish they could fill their dream, wish they could do the thing that God wanted them to do, wish that the lottery, would, their numbers would come up. Don't be a wisher. Look at somebody and say, don't be a wisher. And then there are workers. Putting in the work. Putting in the work. Marshall Fields, wave at everybody, Marshall. Wave at everybody. Yeah. He's like the giant that's at the back door greeting you. Good thing he has that amazing smile because he makes everybody feel welcome until they walk up. Like he makes me feel small. Marshall, I've watched Marshall put in work in his family, in his business, and he's got a job, but he's got a, a passion, a calling on his life to do something other than a day job, and he's put in the work. Everybody say work. Philippians 4.13 says, help me, Philippians 4.13, I can do all, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
That's a cool verse, right? And Christians love to quote it all the time. Like, I can do anything, and God's going to make it happen, and I can do anything. But they're waiting for him to do it all. What's the first word in that verse? Who's going to do it? You are. He ain't going to do it for you. Jaden, you're going to play professional sports, bro. Prophesied over you, right? God ain't going to do your workouts for you. Or your homework. You have to do the work. You have to be obedient to do the thing that he asked you to do. Some of you right now, the work is just growing and getting better. Some of you, the work right now is growing your marriage. Some of you right now is doing the best you can do in the job that you're at. Well, I don't know what it is, Some, but do the work. Stop making excuses. There's greatness on the inside of you. Be a worker. And by the way, here, let me just give you like four areas real quick. Where do you need to put the work in? Everybody say, it's time to get to work. You need to get work in you. Like become who God designed you to be spiritually, emotionally, physically. Did I mention your body is the temple of God? Get to work. I love you. Get to work. Stop making excuses. Get to work on you. You got as much of Jesus as you want. Number two area, get to work in your home. Get to work. Creating the marriage that God designed you to have. Creating the single life that you are thriving so that when God brings along that person, you're ready. I think your daughter was, you were supposed to like let her amen that, Aletha. Then, and then, hey, but mama's got your back, girl. She's got you back. Get to work in your home. Clean house. Maybe literally, but clean up. Get to work in your home. Get to work in your church. Some of you have been attending this church. It's time to get to work. You come, you go, you're, you're fed, you're served, and we find great joy in that. How many on the dream team? If so, give me a woo! Woo! You guys are awesome. Hey, who didn't want to be part of that awesomeness you just heard? Come on. Hey, Stop spectating and consuming and get to work in your church. Now, if this is your first time here, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. Like, you don't have to get to work today. Although some people have done that. Like, they got here and then, like, tomorrow they're like, hey, where can I volunteer? But spring serve, you need to go out there and sign up. You don't, listen, you don't need to pray about that. Get to work. It, God calls all of us to serve. And yes, the work is outside the church, like my brother who's got work to do outside the church, but you know what? It's good to get to work in the church, to serve, to connect, to contribute, because this is your home. Listen, my kids, do you think they got to do any work in our house? Do you think they act like I'm killing them half the time? I love my children. But some church people be acting the same way. 
you're supposed to have nursery for me. They were understaffed this week. I had to keep my kid in, in service. Well, now I'm meddling, huh? You're like, Miss Susan needs to, they need to do more games down there with the elementary kids. And you ain't never served. Well, now I'm just feeling this. This is fun. It's going to meddle all over it. Music too loud. They need to get that. And, and you ran sound before in the past, but instead of volunteering to run sound, you're back here nitpicking saying, why can't they get that right? Maybe we waiting on your gifts. Although you better change your attitude before you volunteer because we ain't got time for that. I love you. Woo! You're like, the ushers don't smile enough. Well, what's up, Smiley? Volunteer and show them how it's done. Get to work. Everybody say, get to work. I thought I was going to do that point quick, but apparently not. Matthew 5, 16. This is why you got to get to work. This is why. This is out of the voice translation. It says, you are like that illuminating light. Let, let your light shine everywhere you go, that you may illumine creation, so men and women everywhere may see your good actions, may see creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me, and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. It's time to get to work. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Did I sound like I was closing, guys? Because I got a little bit more. He just gave me 10 minutes, so I got, okay. Man, I'm feeling frisky today. I don't know. I'm just having fun. Okay. Everybody say, get to work. Refuse to settle for being a consumer. And you know what? Some of you, you got calling and destiny that the world needs, and you've been settling for mediocre. You've been settling for less than. It's time to get to work on your destiny. Time to get to work on your calling. Some of you are in different seasons in your life. Rick Boone, there's destiny and calling and legacy on your life. You're in a totally different season. Naturally, I know you retired, but just as I was saying this, like God just pinpointed you. You're just getting warmed up, brother. Some of your greatest impact is going to come in this season. Your greatest joy serving together, Karen, is going to come in this season. You're going to have so much fun. So much fun. And, and I know you're not one to slow down. You'd get bored. But just pray. Lean in. Surrender that and say, God, okay, I'm open to whatever it is might look different than you anticipated or expected, but just surrender it, surrender it, surrender it, and, and just promise yourself, not me, promise yourself, you'll refuse to settle for boring retirement. You'll refuse to settle for having all these gifts and wisdom and experience, but not pouring it out to others. If you got something going on in your life and you need wisdom, that man right there, oozes it out of every pore of his body. Wisdom. People need that, Rick. Sorry if you get slowed down after church. You might not get to lunch. And be like, I need some wisdom. 
Last point. So two essentials to your awakening. Full what? Surrender. And number two, refuse to. And we talked last week about how there's a move of God, which is very personal, personal awakening. But then God's intention is for us to carry that awakening. When we become part of his family, when we are redeemed, when we are purchased back, we become enlivened by the Spirit of God. Are we supposed to keep that for ourselves? No, no, no. We're supposed to be carriers of that awakening to others. There's responsibility attached to what he's doing in your life. And so let me give you just one key, key foundation of being a carrier of that awakening to others. And ironically, it comes back to you a whole lot. How do you carry this awakening to others? Live it. Live it for reals. Don't fake it. Live it. Live what? Live the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to read you a few verses here. Write them down. Go back and meditate on these. Pray about these. Philippians 1.27 in the Passion Translation. It says, whatever happens, no matter how big the resistance is, no matter what the timing is, no matter if it looks different than you expected, especially if, no matter if anybody approves of you, of it, of what God's called you to do. Everybody say, whatever happens. Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ. And what does that do? Which reveals him to others. Live it. Everybody say live it. Live your life, not just coming to church and saying that surrender. Live your life based on the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that sounds big and heavy, read your Bible until it becomes real and revelation to you, till it like comes alive. How many know somebody that they just ooze Jesus all over them? Like all out of them, right? Some of you could point at some people in the room, and they ooze Jesus. I see Meg up here on the stage, and I'm like, that girl just oozes Jesus. And some of you, you do have big calling and dreams on your life and big things you're supposed to do. Some of you, it's very specific things, and nobody's ever going to know about it, but it's the calling on your life. Like, brother, nobody's ever going to be like, hey, he's the best preacher of all time. But, like, there are going to be a small group of people who are like, this dude worked with me one time, and he showed me what Jesus looked like with skin on. That's part of your calling. And some of you, it's big, but you're waiting on it. Natasha, it's you. It's big, but you're waiting on it. Just keep living the gospel, living your life based in the reality of Jesus Christ. Living it. Just living it. Right beside her, Terry. Just living it. Just living it. And don't, don't hold her back because it's big. You know that. Like, there's some big things she's supposed to do. Man, just prophetic anointing is strong this morning. Natasha, it looks different in him than it does in you. And I think you guys have learned that over a couple decades. But more and more, both of you, you're going to have to know that. Live it, live it, live it. Live it, live it, live it. 
And there's that, what brought you together in the beginning that's just so beautiful and pure, it's still there. But sometimes because it looks different in him than it looks in you, you can question that, and it's still there. You're more aligned than ever, and just support, partner together, and live it. Live the gospel. Live the gospel. Now, for them and for all of you in the room, it might require some of this. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Again, if you're going to live it, it's got to be him living through you. You're cool. You're awesome. You're really cool. You're really cool. I like you. You have a great smile. Yep, you in the flannel. Yep, you. Yeah, you. Yeah. You ladies on the front row, you got a cool smile too. And hair. I don't have hair. could get me so. No, thank you. She said she could get me some hair. I don't think I pulled off, Noel. I just don't think I could do it. I totally lost my frame of thought. What was I going to do? Oh, you're cool. I was trying to pick some people out over this. Like, you're cool, but sometimes we think we're going to sacrifice who we are in the big stuff that God's called us to do, or sometimes we think we're going to sacrifice like our identity by being obedient to him and saying, all right, God, it's not me, it's you. Listen, the best version of you, ladies, comes out when you're fully surrendered to him. Like, it's awesome. Like, the best version of you. Like, now, is it possible that you may lose some friends when you live boldly for Jesus with him on the throne of your heart? Yeah. Is it possible you may bring some people into the kingdom of God who don't spend eternity in hell? Yeah, it is. And I'm telling you, the greatest joy is going to come the more you surrender, the more you trust to him. The more you're like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And it will change some dynamics for you, brother. Like some friends, some circles and stuff like that. But like, it's worth it. It's worth it. Die to yourself. Put him on the throne of your heart. Come alive, come alive, come alive, come alive. Let me read one last one. And this is because one of the biggest ways that you carry it to others is, it's got to be real in you. Like, I got a whole list of other things that I could talk to you about of not judging other people. Don't do that. Really, really. Stop that. For um, Stop judging people. Love people unconditionally. Even if they don't believe the way you want them to or live the way they want, you want them to, love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them. You know, the, the, love, the sin, love the person, hate the sin. We, we say that, and I, listen, I'm a Bible guy. I love the Bible. Oh, I love the Bible. And there's things that are true and there's sin, sin, right? But I don't have to tell someone I hate the sin in your life to love them well. Now, am I going to avoid having a conversation of what do you believe? No, I will have that conversation. I do not run away from that. True is true, okay? But some of you, 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 you slant too far to the other side, and you think you got to tell everybody what you think. 
And maybe you could err a little bit more on the side of Jesus, of love. Well, that was off script. Somebody needed to hear that. Love, 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 love. And so let me read this verse to you. What's that mean? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Again, we're focusing on living it, living it, living it. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? By the way, that describes a lot of people. Maybe some of you in the room, because three-quarters of the room, your hand went up when you said you've been hurt by church, burned out on religion. Come to me. This is Jesus talking. This is red letters. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your, well, it's not up there. You'll recover your life. The best version of your life. You get it back. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live. Everybody say live. Everybody say live it. You'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I heard somebody say this a long time ago. There is nothing more undeniable than a transformed life. There's a quote from uh, Ralph Walter Emerson, and it says, What you are thunders so loud that I cannot hear what you say. What you are thunders so loud I cannot hear it for what you say. Live it. Everybody say live it. Live it. Live it. Walk with him. Work with him. Watch how he does it. Like learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Live it, live it, live it. Come alive, come alive, come alive, come alive. If you're not alive in him, in Christ, if he hasn't made you like, wow, like just come. Now, you don't have to be loud and obnoxious like me. But like get the joy of God. When Jenny Jones smiles at you or when she laughs like you just did, you feel joy. It overflows out of her heart and her spirit. The world doesn't need some people that know church and know religion. They need some people who have come alive. Come alive to Jesus. And if you're not alive to him, if I'm not alive to him, am I even qualified to carry him to other people? So what's it come back to? It comes back to us being fully surrendered us refusing to settle for less than he's called us to and given us and promised us. And see, when we get there, then we can live it like we've never lived it before. Wow! Live it like you, like live with a joy and a satisfaction and a peace and a fulfillment. Do do you know when you live there, people going to want what you got. They're going to want what you have. They're going to, Aletha, they're going to ask you to pray for them when they said they were an atheist or they don't believe in that praying thing. It happens, doesn't it? Because there's something that emanates off of your life that they want. It's going to happen. They're going to want what you have.